This is DGMT's Learning Lunch, and I'm your host, Rahima Esop. You are listening to our Best Bites. Over the next 30 minutes, you will hear from an organization that is leading a unifying strategy to deal with youth unemployment. If you type in the words Youth Development Organization into your Google search bar right now, you will find a host of choices. The fact is, there are many amazing nonprofits employing hardworking, passionate individuals who are doing their best to improve the lives of young people. But amidst the proliferation of youth advocacy groups and youth development initiatives, one thing became very clear to our guest, Crystal Duncan Williams, when she and her colleagues began Youth Capital at a time when youth unemployment was disturbingly high. And it still is. Crystal realized that even though there were many stakeholders doing youth development work in government, the private sector and civil society, their efforts were too fragmented to shift the needle on a national scale. A unifying strategy was needed to address the challenge that President Cyril Ramaphosa has described as a huge mountain to climb. Now, climbing that mountain requires collaboration, coalition and a unifying vision. So today we are talking about coalition building with Crystal Duncan-Williams, project lead for Youth Capital. When deployed correctly, Crystal, it's a strategy that many organisations can benefit from irrespective of their focus area, be it public health, education or climate advocacy. So welcome, it's nice to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Crystal, let's start with the metaphor that I began with, of having a mountain to climb. Is that how you felt starting off? Yes, that's exactly how I felt starting off. You know, I think many people looking at the crisis of youth unemployment uh, can feel like it's uh, this insurmountable problem, this huge mountain. And I think many people are are left feeling, you know, where, where to start, where to begin tackling this problem. Um, you know, is it government's job? Is it civil society's job? Is it the private sector's job? Is it young people themselves? You know, how do we climb this mountain together? And that's really, I think, the, the question that Youth Capital was trying to answer when it came to the space about four and a half years ago. You know, what is this um, coordinated vision for, for tackling the youth unemployment crisis? That's very interesting, Crystal. When someone is trying to find their way, they need a map to guide them. That's essentially what youth capital strategy is for the sector. A map, is it not? Yes, we developed the action plan uh, really as a framework, you know, for for how to start tackling um, the youth unemployment crisis. You know, young person's journey to their first decent job or, um, you know, finding sustainable livelihood for themselves and being a thriving adult, that journey doesn't start the day they start looking for a job, but it starts way before that. Um, And I think that because this journey for young people is so complex and it's exactly that a journey, um, we really felt that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, a unified strategy was needed because there are a plethora of organizations working in the youth development space. We know that youth unemployment is um, top of mind uh, for government as well as well as businesses. Uh, but how do we all come together um, in a clear and coordinated way that really drives um scalable change for young people. And that's really where the action plan came in. Crystal, staying with the imagery, perhaps you can tell us a bit more about the role of the different stakeholders that you mentioned. You know, we at Youth Capital um, are an advocacy campaign and, and we 
interact with many young people across the country, but we aren't on the ground physically um, in every single community. It's not really possible for a small team to do that. And so we really rely on our partnerships and our networking with other organizations who are spread across the country, who are in rural, urban, peri-urban areas, so that we really make sure to hear from all young people and not um, only hear from the select few who are able to to speak to to us or or the government in in urban centres, which has typically been the case in in youth development work. There are many programs that exist to support young people um, into a first decent job or some kind of working opportunity. But how well those programs work for young people um, is not often understood by government because again they aren't on the ground working with young people directly. Um, And so linking these pieces together, and then another critical role player is the research piece. So who are the academics working um, on youth development work and and research that can really inform policy change that is evidence-based and and talks to the current situation of young people? Um, And so tying all these pieces together and then, of course, linking it with the private sector, with the potential employers of these young people, whether you're talking about big corporates or small to medium enterprises, how do we bring all of these various stakeholders around a table with young people themselves it's really critical that we link them all together and and the action plan really provides a framework to do that you know we can clearly say um, around each particular point which youth development organizations need to be there which government departments which young people um, we need to bring that can speak to that particular experience whether it be the cost of job seeking or or how difficult it is for young people to rewrite them a check you know these are just some of the campaigns we have worked on Um, and so this is how we can start bringing these stakeholders together and 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 leveraging their strengths and their resources to really drive change for young people tell us about the action plan what does it actually entail so the action plan encompasses 10 calls to action uh, that cover the entire journey of a young person from places of learning into places of earning and economic livelihoods. And we cover the area of education where here we would like to see that all young people start what they finish, whether we're talking about basic education or post-school education. Then moving um, from places of learning, young people often step into an area of confusion um, with little support in this area of transitions is another key piece of the action plan and finally when we look at finding a job or an earning opportunity we know that the economy is in a dire place and and youth capital isn't you know putting forward any um, grand ideas about economic reform but what we are saying is how do we look at the existing earning opportunities for young people, you know, their volunteer opportunity, their hustle, their their attempt to start their own businesses, uh, the public works opportunities that exist and tax incentives by the government for businesses to hire young people. How do we look at these existing opportunities and make sure that they really work for young people and that these opportunities are a stepping stone into a career path for young people? And so, you know, 10 points that cover these very large areas, um, but we hope that really succinctly put forward um, ways to tackle that, whether that be ensuring that young people get certificates for the things that they complete, whether that be bridging the information gap between employers and employees, or looking at public works opportunities and understanding how they can work better for young people and set them up in a way that enables them to take an informed next step when those short-term opportunities end. 
I want to pause here for a moment, Crystal, because as I mentioned and as you mentioned, there are many youth development organizations in different communities doing phenomenal work to uplift young people. I spoke to Harambe's Chief Impact Officer, Sharmi Suryan Narayan, about how she sees Harambe's role in the sector. So I view Harambe's role in the sector as one of an ecosystem facilitator. We're um, certainly a social enterprise partnering with other organizations in the space to solve a problem that's bigger than just ourselves. I mean, even the word Harambe, when we were founded, means we pull together. So we see our role as an ecosystem coordinator in partnership with government, with the private sector, and with civil society organizations like Youth Capital to shift the system to help address this really complex, critical challenge of youth unemployment. Um, So for us at Harambe, we believe that it's not what problem we are trying to solve as Harambe alone, but what actually needs to get done. And that could include many organizations and Harambe is one of many. Um, And it's critical that we actually work in partnership. For example, as part of the National Pathway Management Network, and the presidential youth employment intervention, but really importantly, with a range of stakeholders in the space across government, private sector, and civil society. And what is the value of having a unifying strategy like Youth Capital's Action Plan in a sector where there are many organizations, as you mentioned, working towards a similar or the same mission? So what I really love about Youth Capital's Action Plan is that it is incredibly simple, it is incredibly compelling and clear, And it is very youth friendly. So, you know, you have an action plan that is sort of designed in the language of young people, certifiers, catch us up, et cetera. And I think that allows us to have both the language with which to describe the goals that we're working towards, but the simplicity of what the goals should look like. Um, I think that it allows many organizations to rally behind that. So for example, certify us, whether it's through second chance metric or any other kinds of degrees that are actually relevant for for the for the market and the economy it is very simple and clear that young people want to be certified and the certifications that matter for example second chance matric can make a difference and we actually have a really productive partnership between youth capital and harambe on the second chance matric that is evidence of this so for me i think the value of the strategy is that it's simple it's clear it's compelling and it's youth friendly Do you have any success stories to share that were a direct consequence of coalitions or partnerships in the sector? Absolutely. So I think there's, you know, lots of success stories in terms of how partnerships can bring about success. I'll talk about two with Youth Capital in particular around the action plan with the Second Chance Matric, where we've distilled information to make Second Chance Matric more accessible to young people. Harambe's work shows that you actually need to meet young people where they are, not where you imagine them to be. And Youth Capital has definitely pushed that forward. So we had a working group to build an FAQ page. We launched a communication campaign to highlight the processes for second chance metric, deadlines, documents, et cetera, such that young people don't just know about it, but can actually do something about it and get access to it. So that's one example. Another example is one of the action plan items is making public employment programs work. We all know that the Department of Basic Education teaching assistant programs has rolled out over the past year and a half. And um, we've partnered extensively with Youth Capital, not just to ensure that young people are matched at scale to these programs in very many schools, 26,000 schools across the country, to be exact, 
but to also evaluate the success of the programs and to see are young people actually benefiting from it. So I would say that those two are concrete examples of coalitions and partnerships with youth capital. There are many partnerships across the board that Harambe engages in with many other organizations, including, for example, businesses to say, how do you promote job creation that is inclusive, that it isn't setting up new barriers for young people to enter work, like within the global business services industry, such that when young people um, are able to, to get it, to find a job, they actually get a job because there aren't unnecessary qualifications or requirements that impose barriers to them getting those jobs in the first place. We were just listening to a representative from Harambi, an organization that is part of Youth Capital's action plan. Crystal, let's get into the detail of the practical work here. How do organizations plug into the action plan? So the action plan is on Youth Capital's website and you can anybody can go on the website and read more about it. And then there's simply a, a Google form that, that organizations can sign to endorse the action plan. And there are 10 varied points, as I think we've made clear already, you know, covering very different areas. And we don't imagine that there are many organizations out there tackling all 10 points. Um, but what we really want is for organizations, even if you just resonate with one call to action within the 10 that you sign onto the plan. Um, once you've done that, Youth Capital then um, has your logo on our website, which links back to your website. Um, you also um, get a little part of the action icon to put on your website. And what it now means is that Youth Capital has a database of organizations and individuals who are working across the various 10 points. So when there is a conversation happening that is relevant to a particular point, we can quickly bring people around the table who we know are working in that area. Um, and sometimes, you know, those might be very unlikely parts partnerships, people who maybe have never met each other, but actually are working towards a common goal. And so then we see our role as really a coordinator um, of the organizations who are doing the work. I'm going to pause there, Crystal, because you made a very interesting point that relates to a conversation that I had with Sandiswa Gwele from the Ukanyo Foundation. Unlike Harambi, Ukanyo is much smaller and it supports young people to prepare and pass the second chance metric program. I wanted to better understand what Sandiswa and her team at Ukanyo were getting from the action plan. And this is what she had to say. One example of the benefits of working with youth capital is that I was introduced to the Department of Education, the director of Second Chance Metric Program. And I'm starting to have that relationship as Ukanyo Foundation and without that introduction, I would not have been able to connect at that high level. That was Sandi Swagwele from the Ukanyo Foundation. I want to touch on something that she mentioned on how her organization benefited from the quantitative and qualitative data that youth capital gathers through surveys or research studies and how that data helps to make informed decisions about what young people need. So Youth Capital really believes that the only way to, to drive change at a policy level is to have evidence to support the calls that we're making. Um, and so when we work with organizations like Sandiswa's Okanyo Foundation, we can get lots of insights from the young people that she works with. Uh, but these can come across quite anecdotal. And so when these insights become really powerful is when we pair what she's telling us with research and evidence uh, at a grander scale, whether that be, as you said, you know, running a survey online with young people, whether that be, 
you know, commissioning a piece of research with uh, an established researcher like we did with the Second Chance Program, understanding, you know, the numbers nationally of how many people come through the Second Chance Program and what the challenges might be that they face when when trying to complete and rewrite their the matric. And so when we pay this uh, research, which is obviously large scale with the very real community-specific experience we get from small organizations like Ukanya Foundation, then we begin to make a really strong case to the government to say, this is what we know for a fact is happening, and this is why we believe that these solutions are the right solutions to tackle this problem. It also helps Sandiswa when she is going to you know, her local DBE office and, and trying to ask for more study materials or, or clear information on registration. She also now has research in her hands from Youth Capital that can really make her case stronger at a local level. So I think um, the power of research is for us to make our case nationally, but also for smaller organizations to have more information at a local level, which also strengthens their work. Crystal, I want to turn to the ups and downs of coalition building. Let's talk about the process and what are some of the challenges that youth capital faced in building coalitions? So I think if you speak to anybody in youth development, they'll very quickly tell you that they want to collaborate, they want to work together, they're all about collaboration. But at the end of the day, people just don't have the capacity. So a lot of organizations are, are small organizations, small teams doing the work of you know 20 people. And so the work of coalition building is really very far down the list of priorities and as much as organizations want to do it they just don't have the time and so I think at Youth Capital we we quickly learned that being very clear about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it and having very practical next steps was really important to get organizations to make the time to meet with ourselves and the other organizations around particular points. I think when you're unclear about what your end goal is, or the end goal is very vague, um, and you don't have practical steps that need to be taken, you often then end up with coalitions that start very strongly, but you know peter out over time as people's priorities shift and the meeting and coalition building work takes a back seat. So maybe you can summarize what those steps are and take it a step further by telling us what the glue is that holds the coalition together. You know, we were talking about the action plan as as a roadmap. Um, and so we, we often say the action plan is like having a Google Maps in your ear. And so I think that that framework is is the glue that that holds the coalition together very strongly because no matter what happens, we can always come back to this map and say, you know, are we on course? Is this what we said we were going to do? And then secondly, to have somebody to to drive the car in the right direction. Um, you know, having the direction is one thing, but getting yourselves there physically is the, is the other part of it. And so, you know, we quickly learned at Youth Capital that we couldn't just go to organizations and say, you know, we have action point number one, which is certify us. You know, what are your solutions around certify us? Um, you probably wouldn't get much response if you did that. But if you went and you said, we're working on second chance matric as a way to helping young people get their matric certificates. We have a relationship with the DBE. What we need from you is to understand what the challenges are for young people. You know, complete the survey with young people in your area who are 
trying to rewrite them a check. That's a very clear ask. Um, and so I think the, the glue is really one, the action plan, and then two, uh, somebody to drive um, the work. And, and, and in this case, it's youth capital. Crystal, you mentioned knowing exactly what the ask is. Are there other things that people need to consider when entering into a coalition? Definitely, Raima. So, uh, you know, as I said, one, be clear about what the ask is. I think two, find people to bring around the table who are unlike you. So the strength of, of the partnership is really in people coming together who have the same mission, but have slightly different knowledge and expertise and resources to add to the conversation. So ultimately, you obviously all have to have the same vision. That's important for the coalition to be strong, that you all have the same overall mission. But having people around the table who come at it from a slightly different angle or slightly different insights and expertise can really strengthen the coalition. Um, and then I think, you know, lastly, the thing that's important is to be clear about what exactly you're asking from these small teams. You know, you don't want to add work to a team that's already stretched. So if you can clearly say, we're going to only be meeting once a month on this issue, we're going to schedule these meetings for the next six months, um, and at the end of each meeting, we'll have clear next steps for every partner that is present, then I think you will start to see a little bit of traction around um, the ultimate goal of the coalition. If you don't do that, you run the risk of you know having a meeting, and then, as I said, other things take over, um, what was said in the meeting gets forgotten or gets lost, um, and then you don't really build any traction. So, you know, having a clear mission and purpose for the coalition, bringing people around the table who are different and unlike yourself, and then lastly, um, making sure that you are clear about the time requests that this coalition will need and also practically what each organization has to do, um, you know, on a month-to-month -month basis between um, the meetings. Thanks, Crystal. So tell us, what's next for Youth Capital? So I think Youth Capital in the last four and a half years has really figured out, um, you know, how to bring together the experiences of young people with all these different stakeholders. And, and so I think Youth Capital is going to continue to shine a light on the things that aren't spoken about. You know, we'll be talking about social connectedness and how important that is for young people. We'll be engaging a bit more with the, the business sector and understanding employers and their challenges with hiring and retaining young talent. And we'll continue to do work on the second chance and public works programs as we've done before. So I think we really will continue to build coalitions around the various action points and, and making sure that the decision makers who have the ultimate power to change the systemic problems are, are hearing from us and our partners and are really influenced by our insights, our research and our experiences. Thanks, Crystal. That was very insightful. And I want to take a moment now to summarize the main points of this conversation. You mentioned that it's important to be clear about the ask when initiating partnerships. Partner with people that have the same mission as you, but bring something different to the table. And finally, be clear about the terms of the engagement so that everyone knows their respective roles and responsibilities. And now over to you, those listening to this podcast. Using what you have heard today, you can try this reflective exercise to begin the process of building stronger coalitions in your organization. You will need a pen and paper to write down the following steps or download the takeaway sheet from our website, learninglunch.dgmt.co.za. 
Okay, write down the following questions and spend some time reflecting on them by yourself and then share your reflections with your colleagues. The first question, what is the role of my organization in my sector? Who makes up my constituency? Who are my allies? And are we doing the same or similar things? How can we complement one another and what will it take to forge a partnership? This has been DGMT's Learning Lunch with me, your host, Rahima Esop. Until next time.